0: Amen. Well, hey, speaking of being thankful, how many of you
1: guys have ever just wished that, man, if you could just come to a church service and you get to watch cartoons, wouldn't it be awesome? Yeah, the younger folks are saying that. But that's right. Well, hey, I'm here. I see you guys over there. I'm here to help you out, okay? Your wish is my command this morning. That's right. Uh, we're going to start off with a cartoon. You, Yeah, don't make me do what Don did. All right. But uh, that's right. We're going to start with a cartoon, and the cartoon is the cartoon trailer for the cartoon Pocahontas. Let's take a look at that. Let's take a look. She was the daughter of a chief. She has her mother's spirit. She goes wherever the wind takes her.
0: Come down here!
1: And she lived a life of freedom. No! Not that way. Watch out! Come on, lads! Steady on your course! He was an explorer, searching for adventure in a new land. Come on, men. We didn't come all this way just to look at it. Let us hope they do not intend to stay. I'm counting on you to make sure those heathens don't disrupt our mission. I... I, I made it myself. But though their worlds were very different,
0: these pale visitors are strange to us. No one is to go near them.
1: Their destinies were one. From Walt Disney Pictures comes the story of an American legend. Who are you?
0: Pocahontas.
1: Hello, John Smith. The tree is talking to me. Then you should talk back. He's handsome too. Oh, I like her. She believed in her dreams. Kwokwom has asked to seek your hand in marriage. I think my dream is pointing me down another path. Followed her heart. What are you doing here? I had to see you again. You'll be turning your back on your own people. I can't believe you. And found a love that changed the world.
0: Let the spirits of the earth guide you. I love him, Father. And your love.
1: Pocahontas. would not it awesome? <laughs> Let's just close in prayer and go next door and get that swamp chicken. You know what Thanksgiving's all about? Now for those of you who still don't know what swamp chicken is, it is my joy and pleasure to explain that to you this morning. Uh, you see, this is why there's two different meat colors on that one bird that we call turkeys. They're really, apparently, swamp chickens, and uh, that's why the bottom part of that meat is brown, because that's the part that has been in the swamp its whole life. And that's why it's only safe to eat the top part, the white meat. All right, now let's close in prayer and go, no, let's, let's move on. Okay, now here's the whole point as I digress there. I had to explain that. How many guys have ever seen Disney's Pocahontas before? Maybe grandparents or kids or whatever, you've seen then, okay? Now, here's the problem, and here's the reason why I'm starting off with a cartoon, especially that one, okay? Most people don't realize, folks, that that was one of the biggest ripoffs, misrepresentations of American history of all time, okay, that cartoon. There are so many historical errors in that cartoon, okay? I don't have time to list all of them, but let me give you just uh, some of the obvious errors that they got. First of all, Pocahontas there, as you saw implied in that cartoon, she was never, ever, romantically involved with john smith hello okay she was 10 years old historically when she met him at the age of 27 he was a captain okay she did save his life history records that's about one of the few things disney got right she was never involved with him romantically and that's what the whole thing's about on that cartoon secondly she did get romantically involved with another guy and even married him his name was john rolfe he was a christian and he taught her about christianity not nature worship third she did not spend her final days in america going back to worshiping nature and speaking to the talking tree and squirrels okay as the movie implies she actually became a christian she was actually baptized her name was changed to lady rebecca and she went over to england to even meet king james and queen anne and she eventually died there completely got it wrong uh, Disney did. Now, here's the point. Uh, as Believe it or not, as much of a travesty as Disney's version of Pocahontas was, uh, as you look around today, even here in America, folks, even in the church, I think it's almost about as bad as the average person's knowledge of the historical facts of Thanksgiving. Why in the world we celebrate uh, this holiday, okay? As we saw before, Abraham Lincoln set aside in 1863, quote, to have a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent father, i.e. to God. And the day was set aside by Abraham Lincoln to praise God for his miraculous provision for America, just like he did with the pilgrims and the early settlers, okay? Now, this is where the true story of Pocahontas uh, comes into play because Pocahontas did rescue John Smith, one of the few things that Disney got right there, okay? He later lived, obviously, and helped a settlement to survive called Jamestown. And Jamestown became the first successful English settlement, which then set the stage for another settlement, and that was called the Pilgrims. The Pilgrims, because of that, they settled there uh, because of the success of Jamestown into Plymouth, Massachusetts, and because they succeeded a few years later, they were the foundation for another group of settlers coming over here called the Puritans, who also. Uh, uh, settled in Massachusetts. Now, here's the whole point. You put all that together, this is where we as a nation not only get our godly heritage from and our godly foundation from, the pilgrims and the Puritans, okay, but this is why we celebrate Thanksgiving, okay? Now, here's the point. Pocahontas, the real Pocahontas, not Disney's version, played a pivotal part in all this because if you do the homework and trace the history back, if Pocahontas did not save uh, John Smith, then he wouldn't have been around to save Jamestown, which means Jamestown wouldn't have been around to be the foundation for the Pilgrims and the Puritans uh, to be successful or have ever come, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the true story of Pocahontas actually shows once again God's amazing provision for His people. Even in hard times and that's what thanksgiving is to be about That's to be our annual reminder as a nation in 1941 Congress ruled that on the fourth thursday of november would be observed as a thanksgiving day It was to be listen a legal holiday Holiday comes from two words holy day And that's what it used to be It used to be a and it's supposed to be a A holy day where we specifically set aside a time why to praise god for his miraculous provision just like he did for jamestown just like he did for plymouth just like he did for uh the puritans and the others at massachusetts and just like he does for his people here in america why listen so that we why does he provide for us what was around the, the holiday Why was it important that the Puritans and the pilgrims survived that God provided for them? What were they giving him thanks for? Why were they coming here to America in the first place to keep on sharing the gospel that's why God's provide that's why He wants us to, if you will be successful, to keep on sharing the gospel with the lost around us. That's what the Puritans did, the Pilgrims did, that's what John Rolfe did with Pocahontas. It's not just about securing our own provision and giving thanks for that. It's acknowledging that he provides for us because we're here to share the gospel. That's the heartbeat of Thanksgiving. That's what it's to be about. Thank you, God, not just for providing for us, thank you, God, for providing for us what we need so that we can get busy sharing the gospel. Now, that's what it used to be about, but not anymore. Now, here's what I've noticed. What, what do we seem to do on this day, Thanksgiving? It seems to be just like any other day where we, we whine and complain, right, about everything. We're not grateful. Uh, we're not thankful for God's provision. Okay, and to prove my point, all right, pay attention at least this year. Do some uh, uh, history lessons yourself. I guarantee you right after Thanksgiving, listen, maybe even during Thanksgiving, what are we typically doing? Whining and complaining—the exact opposite of the meaning of Thanksgiving, right? You won't believe what they said to I can't stand this. I hate this. Did you hear what they said on the news this morning? Uh, did they, they made me eat. I don't want this. Some guy drove me off on the road. Blah, blah. Thank you, God, that we had a great time celebrating Thanksgiving. I really celebrated. Excuse me. It, it, it's kind of like this guy, okay? There was a man who sat down to supper with his family, and he was saying grace, right? It's a Christian thing to do. And so he's saying grace, and he's praying there as a family at the dinner table, and he's thanking God for all the food. He's thanking for the hands which prepared it, which I always found was kind of weird. Why do we just pray for the hands that just prepared it? Why not the rest of the body? Isn't that kind of weird? Just the hands. Okay, let's move on. The hands that prepared it, okay, uh, and for being the source of all life and, and for blessing the family and stuff, but during the meal... He complained about the freshness of the bread. It was stale. And the bitterness of the coffee. How long have that been in there? And the sharpness of the cheese. And so his little daughter piped up and says, Dad, uh, do you think that God heard you when you said grace today? And the dad said, you know, confidently, well, of, of course. And then she asked, she says, and do you think that he heard you when you, what you said about the coffee and the cheese and the bread? And he said, not so confidently. Well, yeah, I guess so. And then she simply said, then which do you think God believed, Dad? It's called hypocrisy. Or as they would say down south, hypocrite. Okay, hypocrite. Okay, on the one breath, you're saying, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, on the other breath, what are you doing? Whining and complaining all the time. Now, here, here's the whole point of our study. I'm telling you, folks, if we hear at Thanksgiving, uh, at sunrise, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving the right way, the reason why it was instituted in the first place, let alone become a great church, let alone be a part of, hopefully and prayerfully, if God would squeak it in, a great nation again, a true revival, then we need personally to get back to the true meaning of thanksgiving and stop all this whining and complaining and truly be, listen, thankful and grateful for God's provision for us, not just today, but every day. So that souls can be saved, okay. And the first reason why we're going to look at three different reasons. The first reason why we need to be grateful and thankful, not just on Thanksgiving, but I'm convinced the rest of the year, is because when we whine and complain all the time as a Christian, we're giving a false representation of Jesus Christ. That's not the example that God wants. That's not a good witness, okay. But I didn't say that God did. Open your Bibles, Philippians chapter two. Let's take a look here, Philippians chapter two, and uh, verses five through fifteen. As you turn there, uh, the context is going to be uh, having the same attitude of Jesus. Now, how many guys, as a Christian, a follower of Christ, would say that having the same attitude as Christ, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, is a logical thing to do? Okay, and that's what Paul says. But what he's going to remind us in this passage is, what is that attitude supposed to be? You know, we all say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ. Okay, it's one thing to say it, but how do you live it? And that's what he's going to talk about in this passage Okay, verse 5, here's what he says. Now, your attitude, Christian, should be the same as who? Not Hollywood, not your friends, Christ Jesus. You're going to call yourself a Christian, that's to be your attitude. Well, what was his attitude like? Well, thanks for asking, keep reading. Who, being of very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing. Can I tell you something right there? I don't have time to... We could explode on this text big time all day today. He made himself nothing... it's about God. It's not about us. We're here to serve Him. Okay, number one, and made Himself nothing, uh, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearances a man. He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Is God going to call us to go through hard times sometimes? Uh huh. But what's your attitude supposed to be? We'll keep reading. Okay, therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, there's your example, since Jesus did that. My dear friends, as you've always abased, not only my presence, but now much more my absence, as Paul's writing this letter from afar, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because God's right there. Man makes his plans, the Bible says, but who orders the steps? God. God is omnipresent. He's with us wherever we go. Who do you think is setting things up so that you can grow and work and grow and maturity in your salvation? Who is it? It's God. God is with you wherever you go. That's kind of cool, but kind of scary at the same time. If we wouldn't forget that, I think it'd curb our behavior a lot. And maybe even this behavior he's about to mention. Work it out, he says there, with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, Christian, to will and to act according to his rotten purpose. Now you're paying attention. No, good purpose, and we need to be reminded of that, don't we? He works it all together for good. So in light of that, what do you do? What's your attitude supposed to be? Do some things without... I'm reading the wrong version again. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Why? So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Listen, in which you shine, not wine, shine like stars in the universe. Now, before we get to bust into this text and uh, expound on it, I want to first give us another history lesson. Huh? You're getting it all over the place today. How many guys like History. All five of you, praise God, the rest of you hang on. All right, so here's another history lesson that I believe fits the text. Okay, did you know that in history, uh, people did certain things to identify who they were in the public eye? See, back then, they couldn't take out TV ads, right, or newspaper ads. They didn't have business cards, but they're out in the public, and they own a business. They did stuff for a living, right? So here's actually what they did. For instance, a person would put a wood chip behind their ear, believe it or not, so that when they went out into the public... Uh, they were identified as a carpenter, right? So a person would see that wood chip there and they go, hey, I got, oh yeah, that's right, I got a broken chair. Can you come to my house, right? That's really what they did. Another person uh, would put a needle, big old giant needle in their tunic or outer coat there and uh, to let other people know that they're a tailor. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, Joey, he was playing football and he ripped his pants and so come on over, we got to fix them all up. I, hey, it's weird. So the Spirit of the Lord lets you know stuff. But so, so come over and fix my clothes, right? So they'd know that. Another person would put the different colored uh, rags, patches of rags all over, different colors, so that people would know, hey, uh, uh, he's a dyer of clothing. You go to this guy and you can get something else besides gray. Right, okay, so come on over and let me... Okay, but that's the that's true point. Now, according to our text, listen, because I think this is what's going on here. According to our text, what Mark... Wood chip, needle, colored rag? What mark should distinguish you and I, the Christian, that we're a true representative of Jesus Christ in the public eye? What is that mark? We are to do everything without complaining, right? Now examine that. Think of that. How much is everything? Does that mean just give it that good old college try? Win one for the Gipper job. right. Anyway, is, does that mean just, you know, oh, once in a while, right? I'll just give it your best shot. Or you know, of course, when things are going your way, then, okay. No, all means all. Now, listen, he says, do this. Wait a second. That means it's just a valid of a commandment as other commandments, like do not murder and do not commit a, a, adultery and do not steal and do not covet. You know, the 10 commandments. So this is pretty serious, Right. He says, if we're going to have the same attitude of Jesus Christ, how we're supposed to represent ourselves out in the public eye, as Christians, we are to do everything without complaining. Why? Because it's a powerful witness to the lost. Think about this, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine running into somebody in the public who never complained about anything? I mean anything. They were always grateful, always content, and thanking God for his faithful provision. Can you imagine running to that person? You know, you know, you know like, um, like Jesus was. Did you know when you read in the scripture, you never once see Jesus complaining about the Father's provision? Or going, Wah. And our attitude's to be the same. In the public. Why? Because it's like a moth to a flame. Hello? When <laughs> a lost person who's also going through hard times, but they don't have answers, they don't have Jesus. When a lost person sees a person like that, the natural response is, hey, hey, whoo, wow, I know what you're going through. How do you do that? How can you do Where would you get that from? Hey, I'd love to have that attitude. How, can I have that too? And what do we do? We get to lead them to Jesus. This is what he's saying there. It's a powerful witness. We need to be shining, he says, in the midst of a dark and dying world instead of whining like the rest of the world. This is to be our distinguishing mark. We are to do everything without complaining, okay? Now, it's this tendency, unfortunately, to be hypocritical with our words, okay, uh, in the public eye that James says, uh, don't think so, not a good thing to do. And this is what he says here in James chapter 3, verse 9 through 12. We use the tongue to bless our Lord and Father, and we use the same tongue to curse our fellow men who were all created in God's likeness. Blessings and cursings coming out of the same mouth? you know, like, that, Dad, hell, thank you, God, for this food. He says, surely, my brothers, this is the sort of thing that ought never to happen. What are you doing? And he says, it's illogical. He says, have you ever noticed spring to give sweet and bitter water from the same source? It's going to be one or the other. But both? What? Ha- have you ever seen a fig tree with a crop of olives or seen figs growing on a vine? No. It's just as impossible for salt water to produce fresh. It's not going to happen. And so this is what he's saying. This is the challenge before us. Ask yourself as a Christian right now, not just on Thanksgiving, Remember, we're to be a representative of Jesus Christ in the public. Our attitude is the same as Him. Are we giving forth bitter or sweet water when we go around to other people? Is it fresh or is it salty? And Paul would say, knock it off. Or, excuse me, that doesn't sound biblical. Knock it off, a ghost okay okay why because that's not the kind of christian that god wants the world to see it's called being a hypocrite it's a false representation of jesus christ he didn't whine he didn't complain he had to endure suffering like we do but his attitude was trusting and thankful and grateful to the father okay and this unfortunate attitude folks it's not just detrimental to us it's detrimental to the loss here's what that kind of hypocritical behavior does to people around us whether we see it or not years ago in germany there was this young jewish boy he had a profound sense of admiration for his father and the life of the family was centered around acts of piety and devotion prescribed by their jewish religion father he was zealous in attending worship man you had to go too bad and instruction he was faithful to that and he demanded the same from his kids but while the boy was a teenager okay the family was forced to move to another town in germany and in the new location there was no jewish synagogue And the pillars of that community were all belonging to the Lutheran church. So suddenly, out of the blue, the father, true story, comes home, announces to the family they're going to completely abandon the Jewish faith and traditions and join the Lutheran church. Well, the family was stunned. They asked the father why, and here was his justification. Not because he got saved. Quote, it was necessary to help his business. Wow. Wow. So the youngster, obviously, growing up seeing this, living this, with his, seeing seen as his dad, he was bewildered, he was confused. His deep disappointment soon gave way to anger, an intense kind of bitterness that plagued him throughout the rest of his life. So later, he grows up, he leaves Germany, he goes off to England to study, and soon he's sitting there in the British Museum, formulating his ideas and composing in a book. And in that book, he introduced a whole new kind of life that was designed to change the world. And in his book, he described religion like what he saw, a bunch of baloney. His words, opiate for the masses. And his way was going to be a whole lot better. Today, there's billions of people, billions of people in the world who live under the system invented by this embittered man. His name is Karl Marx. And his new way of life is called communism. The influence of his father's hypocrisy is still being felt around the world today. Listen to this. How many people have been driven into the horrible clutches of communism? How many millions of people have died as a result of what this guy came up with? And it all started with his father's, with one man's hypocrisy. Let's bring it around to us. Put it back in Philippians chapter 2. What do we think we're doing spiritually when we whine and complain all the time? When God says, don't you dare do that. That's not like my son Jesus. That's not the representative. You're a follower of Christ. This is, Jesus didn't do that. What are you doing? How many people have been driven away from Christ? By our constant barrage of... pretty serious so i would say if uh we're going to help be a part of the solution of our country and certainly be that great church and hopefully lead the way back i i think we better get back to the true meaning of thanksgiving and not just be thankful today but every day just like the pilgrims did just like the puritans did oh by the way if you ever read their history they had some serious hard time but they praised god anyway Do, do you think that was a good witness to those indians who were watching them die like flies and they were still praising God. It's a powerful witness to the lost. The second reason why we need to stop whining and complaining, not just on Thanksgiving, but the rest of the, uh, of the year, is because in essence, when you're doing that as a Christian, when we do that, listen, we're really saying, God, you're wrong. That's a serious charge. And believe it or not, the Israelites did the same thing. Let's take a look at this text, Exodus 16, verse 1 through 3, 6 through 7, and 8. Okay, the whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sim, which is between Elim and Sinai, for those of you who are going there next week. Okay, but anyway, uh, on the 15th day of the second month, after they come out of Egypt. Now, what's Egypt? They came out of some serious bondage and slavery and hard times, rotten times. God rescues them. So they come out after that. And the whole, in the desert, the whole community, what? Grumbled. Grumbled at Moses and Aaron. You get there in the Hebrew, it's like the word murmur. That's really what it means in the Hebrew. The Israelites said to them, if only. Oh, man, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. I mean, come on, man. There we sat around these pots of meat. We ate all the food we wanted. But you, you brought us out in this desert to starve this entire sibling to death. See, that's how it comes across to me. Right? That's what they were doing. Shaking his yeah. fists. But Moses and Aaron clued him in on what was really going on. Oh, yeah? All right. In the evening, you're going to know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Yeah? In the morning, yeah, you're going to see the glory of the Lord. He's been providing for you every since you left every day with manna. He's doing what he needs to do and what's best for you. Oh, but because he's heard your what? Against who? Him. He's heard your grumbling against him. <laughs> Yeah, you're taking it out on us, but let me clue you in on something. Uh, who are we that you should grumble against us? I mean, who, who are we? Listen, you are not grumbling against us. You're grumbling against God. Have you ever thought about that? Isn't that the game that we play? Oh, I'm just complaining about the circumstances of that person or what they did or what they said or what they didn't say. Who's in control of the Christian life? God. So as Moses says, what are you really doing? You're grumbling against him, okay? After God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, they hit a challenging time, which, by the way, does happen to his people, right? He's never promised us a rose garden. This is not heaven. Heaven comes later, okay? Uh, But what happened with the Israelites? Even after all God had done for them, he provided for them, he showed them he was in absolute full control, even when their backs were against the wall and everything seemed hopeless time and time and time and time and time again. God provided a miracle after a miracle after a miracle. And can I tell you something? He still does it today. We just need to trust him, but they didn't, even after miracle after miracle, and they started to whine and complain, but they're whining and complaining, they took it out on the leadership, but it was really against who? It was against God, okay? Now, here's the shocker. Uh, uh, as a child of God, when we whine and complain, you know, because we always do that, don't we? We look back in the Old Testament, pfft, crazy, immature Israelites, ha, 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 ha. Not like us today, us mature Christians. We never fall for that same trap. And that's how we walk around and talk when we illustrate. <laughs> no. Right? No. We do the same thing. But we act like it's just them. Us, we've got this thing master. Are you kidding me? We wind and complain today. But we forget. You're not grumbling against your circumstances. Oh, you are. You're not grumbling against that person, what they did or said or didn't. Oh, you are. But we forget that you're really grumbling against who? God. Why? Because God, just like the Israelites, he's the one who's promised to take care of us, right? He, too, is the one who's given us his blessings. He, too, is the one who's promised us a promised land existence through Jesus Christ. And so here's the point, after all God has done for us, We still complain, but could you imagine what it must be like from his perspective as the parent, as the Heavenly Father, if you will, right? Can you imagine that? I mean, it's just, I don't know. Let's just pick one thing. We all deserve, in fact, let's, let's make this audience participation. You ready, John? You ready for this one? Turn to somebody and say, hey, you deserve to go straight into hell forever. Go ahead, try it. Now, if you're a husband and a wife and you're arguing on the way the service is, it's kind of a way to let some anger out there, but that's not what it's about. All right. He saved us. He rescued us from eternal damnation in hell forever. It's a gift. And then again, we get the complete polar opposite. Oh, it's not just being rescued from hell. He's taken us to heaven beyond our wildest dreams. And yet we still... Vine. Can you imagine... Just like the Israelites, after all he's done, all the miracles, all the faithful provision. Can you imagine what it must sound like with him? Well, for those of you who can't, I'm here to help you out. Let's break it down, right? Uh, can you imagine? In fact, you ever go, how many guys went shopping for Swamp Turkey Day, right? None of you, praise God, okay? <laughs> You're afraid to raise your hand or complain or do anything, aren't you? It's the best sermon I've ever heard in my life, Pastor Billy. Well, I'm encouraged, thank you. <laughs> I wonder why you, oops, you say that the next week and the next week and the next week. <laughs> but you're out shopping, right? And you ever get shopping and you see that kid that wants something and the mom's trying to shop and she's all ragged, right? Just, and the kid's, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Have you ever done that? How many of you guys have ever wanted to do something like this? Watch this. This is cool. Yeah! Huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. How many of you guys ever actually did that? You make them brave now? How many wish you could have done that and had the bravery to do that? Wanted to do it, okay? And the question is, well why? Because we all have seen that scenario, whether it's our kid or somebody else's kid, when you see somebody throwing a tangent like, yeah, wow in public, by the way. What are you tempted to say and do? Number one, you're tempted to say, what a stinking brat. Number two, we need to lay hands on you in a very profound way. You need (laughs) old-fashioned spanking, right? Why? Especially if it's your kid. Because that's not the representation that I want of our household in the public. Right? Let's bring it around wonder how God feels about us when we do that in public. I want this, I can't believe it, how come I have to do this? And we wonder why God will spank us. Not because he hates us, because he loves us. And we're his children, and just like in our own family, I don't want you acting like that in public. Listen, not just spanking in generals. How many spankings, myself included, have we ever gotten as a Christian and we didn't realize it was over whining and complaining? Think about that. It might answer some things. And, and since we don't get it and we don't turn from it and we don't stop it, maybe that's why the spankings keep coming. He's going to Midland now. Let's move on to the final one. The third reason why we stop whining and complaining on Thanksgiving, let alone the rest of the year, is because in essence, flip it around. Now you're saying Satan is right. And that's a very serious thing you don't want to be a part of. And this goes back down to Genesis chapter 3. How did Satan cause uh, and tempt Adam and Eve uh, to sin? Well, here's what he did. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty uh, than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, "Did God." really say, huh, but a little question, a little doubt, a little, uh, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said, well, yeah, we, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you're going to die. Now he calls God a liar. You will not surely die The servant said to the woman first, God's holding out on you, man. There's something better. If you would just do it your way or my way or some other way than God's way, it could be better. For God knows that when you eat of it, he says, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good from evil. He's holding out on you. Okay? So according to the Bible, the first weapon Satan used to get Adam and Eve tempted them to sin against God was the weapon of doubt. And that's the phrase there, did God really say... And see, I think that this is the first step if you're paying attention to your thought life, Christian, is to where Satan will get us from going in from a thankful and praiseful. You've seen this, right? How does this happen to us? We leave a great time of service. We're praising God. We're thanking God, right? We're grateful for Brother Joey's catfish Swahili dip over there because we're not complaining about nothing, right? So we're just having a great old time, right? We don't even get out of the parking lot. And what's happening? yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? It's your thought page. It's your thoughts. I think it's the same thing. It's, say, it's the same thing with you and I. Who in the world do you think is suggesting and implying that God doesn't know what he's doing? He's not meeting your needs. He's holding out on you. It could be different. It could be better. And, and it, Yeah, you're right. It could be better. Where do you think that's coming from? It's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you that one. Okay? It's coming from the flaming darts of the evil one. And this is what he's up to. Listen. He's trying to get us to act like him and be his representative in public, not Jesus. You get that? He can't take away our salvation. Anybody glad about that? Praise God. I always had an instructor said this, though. He says, you know what? But he can, if you will, God's immutable is a theological term. He doesn't change, praise God. You're not going to affect him, so to speak. But he can, if you will, get at God through God's heart. Because God loves us as his children. And he could trick God's children into hurting the father's heart. And so when he gets us to whine and complain, we're really acting like him. What does Satan do to God every day? The word diabolos, devil, uh, diabolos is the Greek word. It literally means one who riddles with accusations. Every single day, Satan is riddling us with these accusations. Join him and shaking a fist at God. He doesn't know what he's doing. Join me. Be my representative. God, you don't know what you're doing. This is what he's doing. In essence, he's trying to get us to say, listen, Satan is right. God doesn't know what he's doing, and he's holding out on something, and you better start whining and complaining and get it right. That's pretty serious. Now here's the solution. When problems do come your way, you don't shake a fist at God, Christian. You simply stand on God's word. You trust him, not doubt him. Okay, let me give you some examples. It's the same thing Jesus did when he was tempted by the devil. What did he do? He stood on the word of God. For instance, we don't want to complain. Maybe the devil comes up to you and this voice goes through your head. Hey, Christian, remember that sin you cr- uh, committed last week? I saw it. Remember that one? And you call yourself a Christian? <laughs> we don't whine. We don't complain. We stand on the word of God. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins and purifies from all unrighteousness. Anybody glad about that? You don't need to whine and complain. Continue to give God thanks and praisegiving even when we sin continue on when the enemy laughs at you ah ha ha Christian where's your God now how are you going to make it out of this trial huh they're coming after you we don't whine we don't complain we quote Hebrews 13 6 so we say with confidence the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid what can man do to me or even more appropriately when the devil pipes in you're short on your bills Christian you're not going to make it this month how are you going to pay where's your God Christian we don't whine we don't complain we quote Psalm 37 5 Matthew chapter 6 I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen their children begging for bread. You seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We trust God. We stand on his word. We do not act like Satan and whine and complain. And when we do, it not only keeps us from getting those spanky winkies. But now you're back to the first point, Philippians chapter two. Can you imagine running into somebody like that as a lost person, a non-Christian? Because they got trials, we got trials. The difference is your attitude. And when you get that, it gives you God supernaturally gives you the ability, just like the pilgrims, just like the, their families died like flies. They could have sat there and shook a fist at God, you <laughs> know. Why are we down to just 18 people? We had so many when we started. We're here for you, God. Why? We thank you, God. It's a powerful witness. When you get to this point and your attitude lines up with Jesus, you have the ability to make it through any trial. Listen, not just yourself, but God will use your trial to lead souls to him. Like he did with this Christian couple. Let's take a look at that.
0: Dear Elliot, right now you are two months from being born. We just found out that you have trisomy 18, also called Edwards Syndrome. Doctors tell us that you won't likely make it to birth. Your mom and I are praying against that. We're praying for healing. We're praying for nothing less than a miracle. You're our first child and the day of your birth couldn't come sooner. Dear Elliot, You were born today weighing in at six pounds. You are already a miracle to us. Your mom is doing well, and it looks like we'll be hanging out here at the hospital a little longer. Dear Elliot, today you turned 11 days old. We are so proud of you. Today we celebrated your 11th birthday. In fact, we do that every day at 4.59, the time you were born. Dear Elliot, we've been home for a week now, so that's why you don't see your nurses anymore. It's great to have you home. Today I think we'll pack up everything and take our first venture out for coffee. Dear Elliot, I don't know if you've noticed, but you're connected to some tubes. The doctors say we have to keep these in so you can get oxygen to breathe. You're also fed through a feeding tube. We feed you every three hours and it takes an hour and a half to do it. We've loved learning how to best take care of you. We love it. Lots of people email, call, and send cards on your behalf. You're well loved. It's 11 at night right now and my feeding shift has just begun. Mom is asleep and the best part of my day has begun. My shift ends around 4.45 a.m. when your mom takes over. She cherishes her mornings with her boy. Today you turned one month old. I didn't know if I'd ever get to say that. To top off the day, 20 friends showed up at the door for a true surprise birthday party for you. They sang, brought balloons, and a birthday cake. It was beautiful chaos. At 2 a.m. this morning, your feeding tube came out. We had been warned this may happen eventually. We quickly realized we did not have a stethoscope, which was necessary to replace the tube. Since our neighbor was a nurse, I went ahead and knocked on their door at 2.30 a.m. They found their stethoscope, and your mom went to it. After much wrestling, praying, and your tears, the tube was down, and you were able to feed. Just so you know, your mom is my hero. Dear Elliot, you now weigh 7 pounds 3 ounces. You're growing and your food has been bumped up because of your good appetite. You continue to find new ways to steal our hearts. Dear Elliot, today marks two months of your life. Your mom and I are so thankful we know you. We know your face, your noises. We know that bath time and massage are your favorite daily activity. You finally learned how to suck your thumb by yourself. Because of trisomy 18, you were born with clenched fists and being able to do this is actually quite difficult. Way to go, son. Dear Elliot, we celebrate your birthday every day with a picture. Lately, we've tried to get a bit more creative. Dear Elliot, I realize you can get frustrated with your tubes and your frequent congestion. Please know that your mom and I are doing everything we can to make you comfortable. Dear Elliot, well you tipped the scales today at 8 pounds, 14 ounces, quite an accomplishment. You also have managed to grow a pretty decent mullet. Dear Elliot, We all got to go to a reunion at the hospital. I've never seen your mom more happy. The joy she felt getting to show off her son can't be described with words. In fact, she compared it to the way a mother would feel when her son becomes president or wins a Heisman or develops a cure for cancer. The logic of medicine says you shouldn't be alive, but you are. You are such a fighter. Dear Elliot, you have now passed the three-month mark. You also got your first cordless pictures taken today. No feeding tube, oxygen, or stickers. This was no small accomplishment, but we got it done. Have I told you lately that we are so proud of you? Dear Elliot, today you went to be with Jesus. An underdeveloped lung, a heart with a hole in it, and DNA that placed faulty information into each and every cell of your body could not stop God from revealing himself through a child who never uttered a word. Not a pulpit, not a slick presentation, not a best-selling book, but a six-pound boy with trisomy 18. God found great pleasure to take a lowly thing in the eyes of the world and show truth. At your funeral, we released 99 balloons. Each balloon representing a day of your life. How beautiful it was to watch. How quickly they were gone. And so today, we celebrate. Elliot, you are well. And although we miss you more than we can express, we're only separated from you by our time left on Earth. See you soon, son. Mom and Dad.
1: How do you do that? Those are Christian. How do, you, how do you look at the death of your child? With such strength and conviction and hope, listen, we, we celebrate. No whining, no complaining, no shaking a fist at God. Listen, and then you turn it around. And you take that trial and you use it to encourage other people, even us here today, to trust Christ. How do you do that? I think it's when we get back to realizing what God's called us to be this side of heaven. We are not to be a people who whine and complain about everything, that's what the world does. And we wonder why people don't come to Jesus. Oh, he's awesome! That's called being a representative of Jesus Christ. It's called being a light in this dark and dying world. That's called having the same attitude as Jesus, which bore much fruit in the pain he suffered. It's called being a Christian. That's what our founding settlers, that's what the Puritans, that's what the pilgrims, that's what even John Rolfe knew with Pocahontas. I need to tell you about Jesus Christ. If we want to be a successful church, and if we want to be a great nation again, I'd say we better get back to our heritage and learn the true meaning of Thanksgiving. Put it into play, not just today, but every day. And let's turn this baby around. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question.